The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Be it superstition or just an apparition, you suddenly appear inside my heart. Does this strange romance stand? Hey everyone, you're now listening to the first ever episode of the From the Bleachers podcast here on the wonderful Bleeding Green Nation podcast family. My name is Seamus Clancy, and this is my first ever appearance on any BGN radio show. And I could not be more excited to talk to you guys today, Tuesday. Well, I'm recording Monday night, but you'll be hearing this on Tuesday tomorrow. So a little bit about myself. Again, my name is Seamus Clancy, lifelong South Philadelphian, written all over the internet in the Philly sports world. Interned for the Philadelphia Daily News for about a year in college. Wrote for uh, USA Today a couple summers in college, covering the Eagles in training camp back in the chip era. I remember I had a on USA Today's uh, weekly sports magazine. So that was a newspaper slash magazine that came out every week across the country. One time, an article I wrote, a feature on an Eagles running back, was the cover of that newspaper, magazine, whatever you want to call it, across the entire country. And you would think that's something I would have framed in my apartment or my parents would be hanging up over their mantle. But when I look back and I see that maybe one of the biggest Eagles articles I ever wrote at that time, so this is 2015, was a cover story about how phenomenal DeMarco Murray was going to be running behind the Eagles offensive line. I'm not too proud about that one. But again, a lot of things have changed in the Eagles world since then. DeMarco Murray is just you know, one step in our Seven degrees of separation that landed the Eagles, Carson Wentz. But I digress. Again, my name is Seamus Clancy. You may know me from Twitter, at Seamus underscore Clancy. Maybe a reader of my daily newsletter, From Broad Street with Love, talking about Sixers, Eagles, every day of the week, Monday through Friday. If you want to subscribe, you can find the link in my Twitter account, in my Twitter bio. But anyone anyway, here, this is the From the Bleachers podcast. What I'm going to do here is try to get something that's a little different than everything else going on in the Bleeding Green Nation network. And I love all these podcasts. I've loved them for years. BLG's the man, of course. The Godfather. Kith and Solak are two of the most knowledgeable football guys I've ever come across on the internet. If I think one of my takes is good or bad, I'll either listen to their takes, and if it's different than mine, I'll probably copy theirs when I'm talking to people in real life. Or I'll just find, forming all my opinions based off what those guys say. They're smart. But I want to do something a little different. I really want to bring out the fan perspective. Now, I'm a writer. I've written for a lot of places, as I said, and wrote for NBC Sports Philadelphia all last Eagle season, Sixer season. Well acquainted with the internet and how 
writing on there. I've written some big articles for Bleeding Green Nation in my time. Wrote an article three years ago about you know some of my personal struggles with my mental health and some things going on in my life and how much the Eagles and Carson Wentz's rookie season really helped me at that time in my life and how much this Eagles team mean to me. So I've been in this for a long haul. I'm an Eagles season ticket holder. Have been since my freshman year of college. So that was 2012. I'm 25. Typical Eagles fan's journey. My first, the first Eagles seasons I, I ever have, you know, some concrete memories of were that 2001 season, the first time they won the division since 1988, I think. And, you know, the first Eagles game I really have a concrete memory of is the game they clinched the division that year at home at the vet over the, the New York Giants. The Giants almost scored in the last play of the game on some crazy trickery. I think there was a sort of a hook and ladder type scenario where Kerry Collins tossed it to Tiki Barber. And then I believe Ron Dixon was who the ball was lateral to. And he got down to like the two or three. And people were sweating it out, as was I at six years old, six, seven years old. But ever since then, I've been hooked. I was a typical kid crying his eyes out, begging not to go to school the next day after a playoff loss or even a regular season loss. That was my childhood. Then in high school and college, got there. And I learned heartbreak the hard way of promise and then disappointment. That was the Chip Kelly era. And how that really solidified in my mind that the Eagles were truly never going to win the Super Bowl. But now we're back. They won the Super Bowl. A fantastic time. Best, oh, that like five-week span of the playoffs through the next week of the Super Bowl. The best time in my life. The best time I've really ever had. If I could just live, you know, a stretch on loop, just give me January and February 2018 over literally anything in the world. All the memories made with my friends. Met my girlfriend, Ashley, at the Eagle Super Bowl parade. You might not know, you might know of that story. You might not know it's, about me, but yeah, I was the nitwit who kissed a girl on Broad Street uh, and went viral on Twitter about it. And then this random girl I didn't know, and now she's sitting 20 feet away from me reading a book as I record this. That's the Eagles, man. That's why I love the Eagles. It just brings me closer to everyone in my life. It's doing that right now because the Eagles are on a two-game win streak. Ten of the game yesterday where they demolished a quite terrible Giants team. That Jets offense, the Jets team, I'm sorry. Getting my crappy New York teams confused. That Jets team was trash. Just trash. That might have been the worst offense I've ever seen. At least from a team the Eagles played. Just give it from that perspective. You know, Luke Falk is a future insurance salesman. He's got that written all over him. You can just imagine him handing out his all-state business card to you at some crappy happy hour reception at the, you know, hotel room in suburban Illinois. So, yeah, we have a lot of guys on the network reacting to the last week's game, to what happened where the Eagles demolished the New York Jets. But I'm going to be simultaneously looking forward and looking backward in this podcast this week because the Eagles are playing the Minnesota Vikings. Now, naturally, my whole life, I had no sort of anger or disdain for the Minnesota Vikings. I was a kid when Randy Moss was awesome. I love Randy Moss. I thought Dante Culpepper was badass. But something changed. Something changed. And I think we all know what it is. And just going by three numbers in one word, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 38 to 7. 38 to 7. You could talk to literally any Eagles fan inside this city. And if you just say that to them, 38 to 7, they know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. So I'm going to throw it back to that night. And yeah, I watched the Super Bowl, as did every Eagles fan. 
But I think, I don't think, I certainly enjoyed the NFC Championship game, the 2017 NFC Championship game, infinitely more than I enjoyed the Super Bowl. Do you know why? Because from basically the middle of the second quarter on, it just turned into a party. I was at the stadium, up sitting there in the upper level with my family, my friends, kids I've known my entire life, my dad. And it was just perfection. It was perfection. And everything that happened with Vikings fans leading up to that week, that Sunday night matchup, just fueled my fire even more. And the way their diapers are just always full and why they do their all shucks little Midwestern persona that is so fake and belongs on a 1980 sitcom. I'm sick of it. I don't like fake people. Talk about people from Philadelphia all you want. They're going to keep it real. Unlike Millie or whomever the famous Vikings fans are, Drew McGarry from Deadspin. You guys can all get lost. Just get lost. You're crybabies. You're crybabies. That's it. Oh, I think back to earlier in the week that had a bunch of Vikings fans come over to do a quote-unquote takeover of Philadelphia, and they all stood up on top of the art museum steps and took this weirdly angled picture that made it look like the entire art museum area was swarmed with Vikings fans from Minnesota and the Great Lakes. But actually, if you looked at an aerial view of that shot, it looked like 50 people standing inside. 50 people in Viking helmets and purple shirts looking insane standing outside the art museum while all the bystanders had absolutely no idea what they were doing. And then I was just all these, you know, in these small town local news shows, you know, the clips would go viral and they'd make their way to Philadelphia of, you know, these, again, all shucks TV personalities saying, hey, if you're traveling to Philadelphia for the big football game this weekend, you better steer clear of those Philadelphia fans because, you know, they'll throw snowballs at Santa Claus and boo their own players and they're talking to some travel agent. You know, that's how you know Minnesota is so stuck in a different era and a different time period. I don't know if they're some sort of dimension you slip into once you go to the central time zone. But if you're using a travel agent in 2018 to book a trip that's, you know, one time zone over, you might be doing it wrong. Anyway, they're talking to this guy. He's saying, oh, you better be prepared. You may not want to wear Vikings stuff. You know, these people are ruthless. They're animals. They're trash. And that's just all things that I internalized then and just speaks to me in all the ways people have just trashed Philadelphia my whole life. Yeah, you know, I bleed Philadelphia in all the worst ways and the best ways. I bleed greed. We're in a bleeding green nation, obviously. From South Philadelphia, South Philly native, went to high school in North Philly, went to college in University City. The longest I've ever left this city is like a seven-day period to go to Disney World when I was a kid. That's it. This is my life. Anyway, so leading up to that game, the Eagles had barely squeaked by the Atlanta Falcons in the divisional round. They were still underdogs going into that game in Minnesota. They were three-point underdogs. This week in Minnesota, this game will be played in Minnesota. And if you don't remember, the last time the Eagles played in Minnesota was on February 4th, 2018. And the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I don't know if you guys, did you guys hear about that? The Eagles won the Super Bowl that year. And Nick Foles was Super Bowl MVP. And the Eagles won and they beat Tom Brady and the Patriots and Bill Belichick. And the score is 41-33. You might not have heard about that. But again, the Eagles are three-point underdogs against the Minnesota Vikings this week. As they were back on that beautiful night. January 21st, 2018. It was 47 degrees that night. And you're thinking, that kind of sounds cold. 
And it is. But the previous week's game against Atlanta and Philadelphia divisional round game, that, that was a Saturday night game. That was 32 degrees, and that was by far the coldest I've ever been at an Eagles stadium. If that wasn't a playoff game, I could see people on the stands leaving, and I really wouldn't have blamed them. I was as bundled up as a human possibly could have been. I probably looked like Ralphie on A Christmas Story, the way I was waddling through the stadium and in and out and down the road to go to the bathroom after drinking a beer every five seconds because my nerves were shot. So it was 47 degrees, and it felt like a beautiful, you know, October Sunday night. Oh, everyone had their dog masks on as soon as that, you know, things went viral from Chris Long and Bo Allen wearing those dog masks. I hopped on Amazon and bought one right away. You know what? You cannot see in those dog masks. You think you'd be able to, but you're just basically walking blind. I remember I was wearing that as I was walking up the escalator to go to the top level of the link and people are high-fiving me and I'm just swinging my hand wildly. I don't even know what's going on because I can't even see anything in front of my face. Terrible mask. Makes for a legendary story, though. So that night, as we know, the Vikings were in control of the game. Went down and scored in their first drive. Touchdown to Kyle Rudolph. The Eagles followed that up with a three and out. And the sky was falling in Philadelphia. The sky was falling. And then came the unsung hero of the 2017 Eagles, who made maybe one of the biggest plays in Philadelphia sports history. Maybe the biggest turning point. It's one of those things that I link back to maybe Matt Stair's home run in the 2008 NLCS against the Los Angeles Dodgers or Shane Victorino's Grand Slam off of CC Sabathia at Citizens Bank Park against the Milwaukee Brewers in game, what was that, two of the 2008 NLDS. It was one of those moments where you stop everything you're doing and you're just kind of stuck in a moment of time and things just slow down and, and you're not even, you're starting to realize the the totality of the moment and how much you think this is changing everything and not just changing everything in this game, changing everything, changing everything you've ever known about the Eagles and what the Eagles mean to you and what your expectations versus the colossal failures that you experienced your entire life as an Eagles fan, all of those things that you've internalized and all those ideas and those negative thoughts that you have about the Eagles, or even when they get down and they're hurting you, maybe some negative thoughts you have about yourself and Patrick Robinson that ball from Case Keenum, that duck after a hit from Chris Long, went right into Patrick Robinson's hands, scrambled all over the field, dove in for a touchdown, and nothing was ever, ever the same again in Philadelphia. You know the rest of the story. Nick Foles looked like 1989 Joe Montana out there, slinging it through some of the best passes I've ever seen. That flea flicker to Torrey Smith is maybe the most perfectly thrown pass. Ever. Am I biased? Uh, yeah, you think this podcast is called From the Bleachers. Obviously, I'm a crazy Eagles fan doing this crap. But man, that was the most perfect throw ever. And as much as I love Nick Foles, Nick Foles is a hero. He's a folk hero in Philadelphia. On the level of Rocky or whoever, Benjamin Franklin, whoever else you want to say. I don't care. But one thing I... I don't want to call it a regret because it's not a regret. But the one thing I could have wished was... Carson Wentz had a more active role in that game because you're looking back on that season and the magic of falls his whole entire redemption arc the best redemption arc ever outside of what season six Jamie Lannister on Game of Thrones it's great and what's what makes it so special and makes it such a true underdog story but I want Carson Wentz to get his I want Carson Wentz to get the respect he deserves from the national media and I want him to strike fear in the fan bases the way 
you know, Tom Brady does, the way Aaron Rodgers does, the way Russell Wilson does, the way Brett Favre did. And I think he will be. But if there's any fan bases that I want to strike the fear in, there are like two, and the Eagles play them the next two weeks. The Minnesota Vikings, led by quarterback Kurt Cousins. Kurt Cousins, right? Kurt, yeah. K-U-R-T, Kurt. And they're led by Dalvin Cook, who's fantastic on the ground, but I will say the Eagles might have the best run defense in the NFL. And their best wide receiver doesn't want to play for the team anymore. And their second best wide receiver is a slow white guy. So I like the Eagles' chances there. So we have Minnesota this week, upcoming, on Sunday. And then Sunday night in Dallas. So obviously the Cowboys, and we'll get into this deeply, deeply next week. I hate the Cowboys more than I hate really anything. But this, there's this weird infatuation with me when it comes to the Vikings. They're just crybabies. Crybabies. They whine, they whine, they whine on Twitter. I have so many tweets bookmarked just from Vikings fans because they cry and they cry and they complain to me. They fill up my mentions whenever I bring up 38 to 7. It's like, oh, that's the only thing you ever saying is 38 to 7. Well, 38 to 7, that's the only thing that matters with your franchise. Your franchise has more disappointments than the Eagles used to have. Your failures, your choke artists, and you just know what I'm talking about. I, you're a Vikings fan. I just say the score of a game. And your heart drops. Your heart drops. I hope we have another moment like that on Sunday. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Now, when the Eagles played the Vikings in the 2018, well, 2017, it was in January 21st, 2018, when they played the Vikings in the NFC Championship game, the Vikings starting quarterback was Case Keenum, who had one of those classic fluky seasons where he led Minnesota to, you know, he started the season as their backup quarterback behind Sam Bradford, LOL. Sam Bradford, imagine having faith in Sam Bradford as your starting quarterback. I did once. You learn the hard way. Anyway, Sam Bradford got replaced because he was injured, as you would expect. And then Case Keenum behind a some solid skill players and a fantastic defense, rode their way to the NFC North title. Bye. And then an appearance in an NFC Championship game where they got destroyed. But now they have a new quarterback. As you know, they signed last season to a deal worth $84 million, Kurt Cousins. So now, if you're an Eagles fan, you're obviously familiar with Cousins from his time with the Redskins for years. And I hate him. He stinks. He's such a dork. He's a dork. The whole, you like that? That's just the corniest stuff imaginable. He just looks like he was made in this most vanilla where do you go to college? Michigan State. Just, yeah, he's just this Midwestern, again, like he might as well be from Minnesota. Just this vanilla, mayo, white bread, white boy dork. So he's easy to root against. And he's not as good as people think he is. He's not as good as Jay. He needed Jay Gruden more than Jay Gruden needed him, I think. Jay Gruden, who was just fired yesterday. I woke up to a text from Adam Schefter. Jay Gruden gone. And since he's been in Minnesota, they gave the Vikings and their analytically inclined and their brilliant front office gave a quarterback $84 million guaranteed just to hand the ball off every play and run an offense from 1947. That's what we call not a smart front office. Oh, that team. I just love making their fans mad. It's great. Shade and fraud to the fullest extent. 
I love seeing those Vikings fans angry and in my mentions on Twitter yell and scream and tell me people from Philly eat horse poop, all this other stuff. Oh, like you raised your kids to be savages. I don't care. You guys are just dorks. You're losers too. You think I'm a loser? Look in the mirror. And yeah, that game was in Philly and that makes it awesome. But I'd love to see the Eagles go there in front of all their crybaby fans and embarrass them by a score of specifically... 30 to 7. If they were to win 44 to 7, I'd be a little upset that they didn't just score six fewer points and leave it at 38 to 7. You know, if I'm going to predict a score for this week, I couldn't predict literally anything other than a 38 to 7 win. Maybe I will check out my my newsletter from Broadsheet with Love if you want to check out what I'll predict later in the week. But I think the Eagles roll. The Eagles are going to roll. I'm so excited. Just... It's like shooting fish in a barrel with these Vikings fans. It's not even like my hatred I have for the Cowboys, which is real, and it's really rooted in this inferiority complex that comes with the Cowboys winning five Super Bowls and there being so many bandwagon Cowboys fans from the Philly area, and there's people I knew growing up who were Cowboys fans and were gigantic weirdos because of it. The only the animosity I hold towards Minnesota Vikings fans is based purely out of schadenfreude and how my demented, diseased Eagles fan fan brain, I get so much out of their misery. Is that a little weird? Yeah, but football fandom is weird. So, I mean, if you're listening to an Eagles podcast from a specific Eagles fans right now, I'm sure you're a little bit of a diseased Eagles fan too. And I love that about you. And I love that you're listening. I want to do it in Minnesota. I want to rub it in all those fans' faces. Because the Eagles won, as I said before, the last time they are in Minnesota. They won the Super Bowl. But that game really isn't filled with Minnesota Vikings fans. It's filled with, you know, ad executives from T-Mobile and, you know, Rock Nation Sports. It's not filled with regular people, let alone fans of that team, the stadium that holds the team, that fan base. So I want to see everyone there with that stupid horn they do after every first down. That's the dumbest stuff ever. As a kid in Madden, oh my God, when you do franchise mode. And you play playing in Minnesota. I would never pick the Vikings for my fantasy draft and franchise mode. Why would anyone? They would have that gigantic, annoying Viking Nordic horn that they would blow after every first down. And it was the most annoying thing in the world. I can't imagine actually attending an Eagles-Vikings game in Minnesota because I'd need to put literal earmuffs on. Literal ones. Not just Vince Vaughn-style hands over your ears. There's some earplugs, earmuffs. I could not listen to that thing in real life or else I'd, I don't know what I'd do. My head would explode. Guts everywhere, blood. But I'm so excited. Because if the Eagles win, you know, I'll be chirping on Twitter all day. That's what I do during the Eagles games. I just chirp. I act like an idiot. I lean into it. I know who I am. I respect it. I hope other people do too. But when they win, I'm not going to say if they win. They're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to roll into Dallas 4-2. and two. And we'll get to Dallas next week. That'll be a that'll be a podcast. Dallas week, baby. When we win, I'm gonna gloat on Twitter so hard. I'm gonna be searching in my mentions, looking for Vikings fans that I might have said a tweet to 18 months ago and just rub it in their little faces, covered in face paint with their Viking horns standing out. I wish I could see them in person and just snap them off. I want Carson Wentz to do it. Nick Foles has embarrassed him. It's Carson Wentz's turn. I need that game from Carson. I need Doug 
I'm a fan of the job he's done so far in 2019. I don't love it as much as I do love Doug with all my heart. If I could have dinner with three people in the world, it would probably be Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, and Doug Peterson. What a tandem that would be. Sitting at the Capitol Grill together, wearing a couple old fashions, and chowing down. But Doug needs to go all out. He needs to coach the way he fearlessly did in that NFC Championship game back in January 2018. The way he's, he's a guy calling flea flickers. He's a guy that's airing it out. He's a guy that's rushing at the end of the first half to be in a position to kick an extra field goal just to rub it in Minnesota's face and get that extra score and just be aggressive. Be the analytically inclined, aggressive head coach that you know you can beat Doug. Air it out, air it out, run some trick plays. You want to do a double reverse? You want to do wide receiver pass? You want to do a flea flicker? I'm in favor of all of it, Doug. Open up the arsenal. Let them fly. Have some fun. Doug and the team and the franchise obviously has to know the way the Eagles hold 38-7 to so dearly. And it's only right that the first time the Eagles find themselves in Minnesota since Super Bowl 52, where they ran, again, another very famous trick play called the Philly Special. Not sure if you've heard of it. It's up to Doug to go wild and call a wide receiver pass again, or a flea flicker. Looks like Corey Clement will be getting play in time this game because of Darren Sproul's injury. He's been the fourth, relegated to the fourth string running back this year, so hasn't seen many touches on offense. But Clement is the guy who... Nick Foles handed the ball off before pitching it back to Nick and airing it out to Torrey Smith on that infamous flea flicker. So if they were on a flea flicker this week, I'd love for it to be Corey Clement in there and then him air it out to Alshon Jeffrey, who's really the only receiver I trust to catch the ball with Deshaun out and got Matt Collins and you know Nelson Aguilar, very up and down player who, you know, rooting for him tough. But then you have Ortega Whiteside, who, again, we don't really know what he's at at this point in his career. Got, you know, zero catches on Sunday against the Jets. That's what I need from Doug this week. That's what I need from the Eagles in general. I need a big Wentz game. Just shut up all the Vikings fans who think that the Eagles let the wrong quarterback go because the only people who bring that up are opposing fan bases because everyone in Philadelphia knows Carson Wentz is the guy. I need Doug to get crazy with it. Get nuts. That's what my South Philly friends would say. Get nuts, Doug. Call some trick plays. Go wild. Flip to the back page of your playbook and see what's on there. And then most of all, I need the Eagles to win by a score of, you guessed it, 38-7. to 7. Just so I could have another reminder to say that to Vikings fans. There's 38-7, to 7, and there's 38-7 to 7 too. It's like Miracle at the Meadowlands. I want it to be like Miracle at the Meadowlands, where there's Miracle at the Meadowlands 1, there's Miracle at the Meadowlands 2, there's Miracle at the New Meadowlands. I want there to be all these iterations of 38-7 to 7 against the Minnesota Vikings in my lifetime, and just I will be the most smug guy around. If I'm not already, people probably think I'm a huge, smug Eagles fan. I don't really care. But I'm going to lean into it even more when the Eagles went 38-7 to on Sunday. All right, that's it for the first pod. Again, my name is Seamus Clancy. You can follow me at Twitter at Seamus, S-H-A-M-U-S, underscore Clancy, C-L-A-N-C-Y. You can check me out, again, on Bleeding Green Nation or on my personal daily newsletter from Broadtree with Love. Find the link in my Twitter bio. From the bleachers, it's me, Seamus Clancy. Go Birds. I